What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Market Saints. Happy December. Hope you all started your advent calendar. I know I had the intention of. I went to Sainsbury's, bought an advent calendar, and unfortunately, it turns out the chocolate inside was really good, and I ate the entire thing within three or four days before December 1st even came around. But, you know, the thought was there, so I guess that's what counts. But uh, we got a great episode for you guys this week. We're going to start off with a rock report again. I think that format worked really well, where we're going to have an open impromptu discussion about big companies, about regulation, about monopolies, because I think this is super prevalent. And we just saw a case coming up with Meta recently with the UK banning one of Meta's acquisitions. Yeah, and the really interesting thing about this one is it's not your classic antitrust case. And just to clarify some definition of terms here, antitrust is the same as uh, in America, a monopoly case. So the reason this is so interesting, and Cole will get into that in a minute, is this one is much less tangible than previous antitrust, classic antitrust cases. When I, th- I think when you open up a textbook and you look at antitrust, what you're going to see is standard oil, and actually just primarily things that are pertinent to oil. But what comes to mind for me is the Exxon and the mobile merger. Obviously, we all know Exxon Mobil, and the fact that they had to sell tangible assets, real interest in, um, I believe, is an Alaskan oil field. And it's just this this new case is very it's different. Yeah. So basically what we have is Meta again, unable to stay out of the news. The UK's competition regulator officially ruled that Meta must null and void their acquisition of Giphy. Giphy, that might sound a little bit funky to you. It's a GIF. Everybody knows GIFs. You know, it's the popular looped clips that are all over Twitter, all over Instagram, all over Facebook. And basically what happened was the UK was saying that Meta and Facebook would be too OP, too overpowered. They would basically be able to deny other platforms access to GIFs, which would then drive more traffic to Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram. So it's basically trying to prevent against a social media monopoly. And GIFs are a very integral part of posts on social media, especially on Twitter, which would be one of the biggest, you know, uh, competitors against Instagram and Facebook because they're technically owned by the same company. Uh, On top of that, it raised concerns that it could be used to require other platforms to provide more data to access the gifts. So we thought Meta was done with all their privacy issues, but here they are potentially scheming again on the side, trying to get more information from companies to access, you know, gifts and, and that part of social media. And then also the UK regulator, they were just very convinced that Giphy could become its own social media platform, be more, you know, diversify the social media market a little bit more and become a bit of a competition. Maybe not overtake, but at least become a competitor to diversify it a little bit more. Yeah, Cole, at first I thought it was really outlandish, the fact that this was an antitrust case at all, like I said, when talking about the older antitrust cases. But the thing that gets me is that it's just, I didn't understand the whole Twitter point about it. The fact that they can come around and hurt Twitter, other businesses, because they own this like little niche market. I kind of surprised myself a little bit with this because I actually like, in this case, the UK regulating meta. Usually I'm all for open market operations, early bird gets the worm, killer be killed mentality, but this is a different and bigger case in my opinion. We're talking about the sphere of worldwide influence 24-7. Meta owns two of the four biggest social media platforms in the world, being Facebook and Instagram the other two being TikTok and Twitter. 
And I wouldn't say TikTok is really a place where there's a popular flow of information. So I'd really say Twitter is the big competitor of against, you know, Facebook and Instagram. So as it is, Meta has proven, I mean, just with the remarketing from Facebook, that they are a pretty historically untrustworthy company with privacy issues and spreading of misinformation. So why would we then willingly hand them more power where they can spread more misinformation and repeat their history again under a new name and new brand? I mean, look at it right now. We're currently heading with the metaverse into a completely online world where Facebook and uh, or Meta rather gets to be God. Yeah, and Cole, th- this case, that's why it's so important. It's its not about the fact that they can't own Giphy. That's not what this is about. It's about the implication. It's about their further subsidiaries in the future. This sets them up. I mean, it has massive implications for Jeff Bezos and Amazon. As, I mean, you said it earlier to me when we were off mic. It's just Amazon is becoming e-commerce. That is the next step. When does I said to you, when, does a, when will Amazon have their own Amazon pay? When you can go to a website and just charge it to your Amazon account. When will they have their own credit card, their own bank? And you turned around and told me that they do actually have a credit card. I mean, it, the implication of this case, it's setting a press. It, it really is. It's setting a precedent for these companies to get taken down. And, you know, the way that they do it is very stealthy because Giphy, while it was a big acquisition, it's not like worldwide news where everybody knows it. It's must-see TV. Monopolies run under the wire these days. I mean, it's not like Rockefeller and Carnegie back hundreds of years ago where you can hire a hitman against your competition or completely price gouge them. You know, that's not really legal anymore, price gouging. I mean, you could argue it happens in some places, but it's much harder to actually get away with. Now we're in the world of acquisitions. If there's a competitor coming up in my field, in a niche field, I can just acquire the company and basically every, you know, all the positive momentum that they had is now translated and working for me. Yeah, and that's where we're walking into the muddy water here. Like I said, like I was talking about the Exxon and the mobile. It Back in the day, these acquisitions, they were stone-cold things. You could measure what they had, what they were buying. Now it's now it's software. It's the influence. It's these intangibles. Kind of, They're not really quantifiable. It's That's where it is. That's how they're running under the wire. So, Stu, tell me, tell me what you think about this. Do you think that we're heading towards a world in a direction where, let's just say, Amazon, Apple, Microsoft— and Tesla rule the world. Uh, 100%. I mean, uh, just think about the fact that I walked, like, it was probably a couple, it was last spring. I walked in, I was at an airport. I walked into this grocery store. There's no checkout at the end. They face ID'd me and put, sent it to my Amazon account. We're literally living in a world where Amazon is e-commerce, like, the plural. It, it You can pretty much buy everything from everywhere on Amazon, where Apple has all of our phones, Microsoft has all of our computers and software, and Tesla is all the cars that we drive. So between those five, you know, companies, they control basically every integral part of your life where, and you know, this is all speculated, not trying to sound like a conspiracy theorist here, but it's just something that you have to think about. Tesla can control all of our vehicles. They're all electric. They're all connected somehow. Microsoft, Apple, having all of our information. They say that they have all these privacy, you know, terms and conditions up. But does anybody actually take the time to read those million and a half pages in the terms of condition where there's little fancy verbiage meant to trick you up, where they slip one little sentence in on page 2074? Yeah, no, I, I actually, for the first time, downloaded one of those the other day. I, the complete intent of, like, not reading, I was just procrastinating on paper. But that's the thing is, you have to look at it. Like, there's... Well, I think it's like a certain, it's, it's the very upper echelon of that 1%. It's like the 0.01%. Like they're getting richer because if you think about it, your entire life is being conducted within the little, 
online. It's within the meta, meta circle or socially, the meta circle or uh, commercially. It's all within the Amazon circle. And beyond that, if you're like logistically, it's all Tesla. Like that's where we're headed. We have complete, you know, people talk about it. we are enclosing ourselves into this. Like we are creating this antitrust by buying into it because the, the fact is it's just so dang easy. It's so easy to click on your Amazon account. It's one bill. You get your video from them. I mean, obviously, Netflix is still around. They're thriving in Hulu, but they're just moving everywhere. It's it's incredible. It's a really hard hill to stand on because people always say, well, I don't like billionaires. I don't think that Amazon should be the biggest company in the world, but it's really hard to boycott Amazon and not buy anything on Amazon. I mean, that's a hard statement to actually back up. And for me personally, you know, it's at a personal point of controversy because I think that you know, entrepreneurship, like that's fair game. That's capitalism. These companies grew to the way that they were because they were successful. They were the easiest. They were the most leisure or they, they helped people, you know, with the most leisure rather they're the most efficient. So, I mean, props to them, but now they're getting to a point where, you know, they talk about America as the home of opportunity. It's getting harder and harder to get into opportunity because things are already just created in such a way that it's impossible to compete. Yeah. But I, I think like, like we said, this new case, it's massive because it set this precedent. It, it set a ceiling, I think, in my opinion. They're only going to be able to go so much further. If they, they might have already passed it. Like this, There might be some retroactive look action here. I'm not sure, but I think that they're coming up. It's They're coming up on that kind of like asymptotic relationship. Like This is the end. Like I don't see them being able to go much further. I mean, I definitely can see how you would think that, that there's kind of a wall that all of these companies will inevitably hit. And within their specific markets, that may be so. Microsoft may become the apex of software. I mean, they already are, but they may hit a wall and they say, you know what? There's really nothing more we can do here. So what do they do? They just expand. They branch out more and more. For all we know, Amazon's going to do some wacky move and they're going to acquire somebody like Airbnb. And now you book your vacation rentals through Amazon. You book your flights through Amazon. You know, they're going to become the internet. They're going to become the website. What I see really happening here is to be honest, I think that yes, I think Amazon will always be there, but what I think is kind of inevitable is that we're going to see a standard oil here. Back in the day, it was, you know, it was like I said, I've been ranting about the tangibles here, but Amazon will break up into, mul I think what will happen in my opinion is they'll break up into multiple companies, obviously all owned, still owned by Bezos. They'll break up into Amazon Video under different names. So you think it's going to be kind of like a General Electric, which we just talked about, you know, two or three weeks ago where GE broke into three different companies. It was like an aviation a healthcare or and then uh, another one I don't like appliances probably yeah right? yeah appliances or something yeah like that. I think I mean that's like uh, historically like we saw that with Standard Oil they just broke into regions I not much change like it'll, obviously they'll mess with their supply chain a little bit but as long as the money's flying I really don't see why so you think would care you think the Amazon bubble is going to burst they're going to become too big of a company where you know it's impossible for one CEO to oversee everything it's impossible for one board to oversee the seventy two different industries that they've branched them into. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they're already there. It must be absolute hell trying to manage that. I mean, honestly, it's just, like you said, they have to keep growing. That's what companies do. If they don't, if they become stagnant, they die. That's Question just how, what about what you said, though, because you, you went back and you said, well, these would break up into three different companies with Bezos still being the umbrella CEO. So are all of these broken up companies still under the same umbrella or are they becoming independent companies? Because that would then fight against the monopoly because you would have three different titans coming from one. No, what I'm saying is I'm not sure that it would be under the same company. I don't think it would be under the same company. I think that Bezos would still be the CEO or president. He would obviously hold the top position at each company, but they would be broken up. 
yeah, and you know, I'm no lawyer. I don't read the law for fun, but I don't, I don't know how the laws work around a situation where, you know, General Electric split up against their own will. So that was a decision that they made for the future of the company. So I'm not sure if anybody has the power to look at Amazon, look at Jeff Bezos and say, you need to split Amazon up into X, Y, Z, you know, different, you know, child companies from this one parent company. And I don't know if it would have to be a freewheeling decision or if it is something that you could actually legally mandate. Yeah, no, I think that like, it's all about the nomenclature. Like you just said, parent company, child company, this and that. It's the fact that what they're going to do is they're just get remove the name Amazon and throw in whatever X, variable X. It'll still be Prime Video. It'll just and you, you'll probably still pay through your Prime account. They'll just outsource the payment to the company that they've broken off into what they'll consider Amazon Payment. Yeah, and when you're talking about America, right? People always say you know it's it's the land of opportunity. Like I said a couple of minutes ago, it's a great place to grow a business, do whatever else. And it is kind of against that narrative to force a company like Amazon to break up, which is as big as they are just because they're successful and make the right moves. You know, it wasn't done in any dirty fashion. It started as a book company online, but, you know, bookstore. And um, however, it's kind of you got to go with the majority at some point where if Amazon is going to be subtracting from the opportunity from a small, you know, American dream to be able to grow up into becoming an entrepreneur and owning a small business, I think you got to draw the line somewhere because you have to side with the majority always. It's a democracy. Yeah, I just, I really just, I don't see, like like I said, they have to keep growing and it, they will eventually hit that glass ceiling and they'll shatter it and they'll be broken up. That's how I see it. Are you worried with social media at all though? Because if we think about it, I mean, I just laid it out. There really is only three social medias. And if you take away Instagram, because I mean, Instagram is again, a popular social media, but it's not as big in the spreading of information. I would say really information comes from Twitter and Facebook. That's not a lot of places for most of the world to be getting all of their information. People don't really watch the news anymore. People subscribe to the news on Twitter and on Instagram and on Facebook. They don't watch the TV. They just read the headlines and then assume the entire article just from the first five words. I think that like you just like think about that. It's what I'm like. That's exactly what I'm getting at. The fact that Instagram and Facebook, they have different names. They're slightly different. Obviously, Facebook still owns them. But I think that and that also circles back to my other point that it's the intangibles. Like, how do you measure that? How do you quantify that to where we're saying, yes, that's antitrust? I mean, quantifying an antitrust, yes, you know, it's hard to draw the line because every company's different, but it's already happened. Look at look at the world. Every everybody is so not to get individually political, but just as an entire scale, politics as a whole has become so radicalized, not just in the US, worldwide. We go to a school St. Andrews where, you know, we have friends from Africa, we have friends from the UK, we have friends from Europe, America, South America, Asia. Politics have become way more radicalized. And you could always just say COVID's the greatest excuse of all time for everything. People are going to be saying, oh, well, COVID in 2035 to, you know, make up for their mistakes. I'm still banking on that for my grades. But I think so much of it is still because of social media. Forget COVID, forget everything else. COVID just let us sit at home more and ingest more social media. Yeah, I think social media just, it blows the doors wide open on your life. Uh, Obviously for private individuals, it's a little different. Like, Oh, you're gonna go, your girlfriend's gonna go post her dinner. Like phone eats first. Like ha, like all that. We got that. But, but like, Stu, wait. Do you think that there needs to be more social media regulation, or do you think that there needs to be more social media competition? Yeah, Cole. To be honest, I 
I don't see regulation being a viable way forward. Just you're running into issues of free speech, human rights, First Amendment, this and that. But competition, I mean, that if one, one platform is more free than the rest, people are going to go there if they start to recognize that. It's just competition drives evolution. You know, Stu, you actually got into an interesting topic there. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but censorship. This is also a really big point of contention for some of these big monopolies. They are censoring people. And quite frankly, do you think, I mean, you can give your opinion on it after the fact. Let me let me give mine first. Do you think that the government is going to have to come in and stop these companies from regulating what people can or can't say? Because quite frankly, when you're such a big company, I know when you're a private institution, technically you should be able to do whatever it is that you want. You know, people who want to use your influence or want to use your platform with the rules given either can or can't, right? That's free will. But at the same time, we were talking about it. When you really have two social media platforms, three, four, arguably, that that gave all the information worldwide, shouldn't all opinions be able to be heard? Yeah, that's... That's exactly it for me. The, the thing is, if you do this, if you all of a sudden have the government come in, it turns into a legal battle, and then people just dig in because it's just more more of the polarization. Like you're gonna have these other uh, institutions start popping up. Like we just had Parler, and they're big on the free speech, but I, there's not gonna be any debate going on there. Whereas on Facebook, you're gonna have people talking it out. You're gonna see representation from both sides. I think the you know, obviously this would turn into a court battle because it's their institution, their software. They can do what they want, but it's also the First Amendment. Yeah, you have to be able to, again, it's drawing the line where lines have never been drawn because we've never had this problem before. We've never had tech like this. It's really only happened in the last decade. But you have to de- defend the right of free speech, especially when it's a platform where all of the information is being spread. Forget just forget just politics. It's, it's for everything, for science, for school, for education. And now... You just mentioned it. I think this is the one, one slice of opportunity that small companies have against these big companies is if they can market themselves as completely unregulated, you know, they're, if they're a new company, they're not going to have any, you know, dark closet with skeletons in it from their history. This is the one slice of opportunity. You have to take advantage of where these big corporations are weak. And that is right now censorship. Yeah, and I, the two things I'll say is when when the Constitution was written, it was or the the amendments. I'm sorry, it was free speech is religion, um, right to gather, right to protest, and then freedom of the press. Well, now Facebook is the press, and maybe that is your right to gather. It's online now. And then the, the second thing I'll say is that I just I I, I don't want to be political here, but I just I really hope that this doesn't turn into oh well the left are on this site, the right are on this site, and we end up with a Fox News CNN. Exactly. There's no point, you know, social media, at least if Facebook and Twitter were to be true to their mission statements and whatnot, it's where open information and open flow of opinions are able to flow. And I understand regulating very, very bad hate speech, something like that. I understand because I think a lot of that's completely unnecessary. But being able to have open conversations regardless of political affiliation, I think is important and not even politics, just regardless of of any type of opinion. I think social media needs to be a place where, again, it's unregulated because you said it, it is the press now. It, it is where people get all of their information and it has become the sole hub of information per se. So that's it for the Rock Report today. Uh, we're actually going to get into cash and checks and break and mix, but instead of doing what we usually do, which is obviously we each bring a cash and check and breaking banks, we're going to review. I mean, we're, we're, 
what is it, like five, six, seven, eight episodes in, we've had a lot of picks and we're going to review some of them over the last couple of months because, I mean, go us, not to pat ourselves on the back. Some of our picks definitely did kick ass. So I definitely want to go over some of them, how they're doing. And uh, it's also the end of the semester. So it's a little bit of a recap. Yeah. So obviously we're getting ready for exams, but so we wanted to give you a little highlight reel. So my top pick of the semester has been Moderna. So I was telling you guys to buy, buy, buy like the boosters, all this. I had you buying, I think it was around 220. I can confirm that. But as of today, it's uh it's at 314 and it was yesterday that it was at 368. So uh that was that was a pretty big jump for me. I was pretty excited about that one. Yeah, with Moderna though, don't fall into a trap, guys. That is such a headline driven stock. I mean, literally it happened, right? They said we'll have the vaccine for the new variant that was uh the new variant that was coming, the Omnicrom or whatever it was called. We'll have a vaccine ready by 2022. And everybody was like, oh my God, Moderna, the saviors of the world. Go buy, go buy, buy, buy. Stock jumps up like 30, 40, 50%. And now for all we know, in a couple of weeks, they're going to be like, just kidding. We messed it up. It won't be out till 2023. And then the stock will drop 30, 40%. No, and that's exactly the reason I picked it. It was all about the media hype. It was about what was going on. And yeah, I, I picked it because Pfizer put out their pill and they were paling in comparison. And well, Omicron. So for me personally... My biggest success, I would say, actually, I think it was my first ever cash in checks. Maybe it was my second, but it's NVIDIA for sure. I'm pretty sure when I pitched it back two or so months ago, I was talking, it was around 240. Now it's at 320. So right when I pitched NVIDIA, again, I'd heard about it from my brother because he's a huge software guy. He loves tech companies and that's like his favorite type of company to invest in. So he'd been on NVIDIA on the train for a while and I pitched it. And then I swear it wasn't even on purpose. I mean, obviously the week after I pitched it on Market Saints, it was exploding throughout all of the media. You know, we saw people like Morning Brew, the Financial Times, everyone was talking about this stock. And now it's it's basically it's like a household it's a household stock at this point. I, I don't know anybody that invests that doesn't know Nvidia. Yeah, no. The the morning after uh, we or I think it might have been two days after we recorded. I remember waking up looking at the morning brew and I started calling Cole. I was like, Cole, Cole, Cole. Nvidia hit big. Yeah, like there there are people talking about how they see Nvidia hitting ten trillion dollars one day. I mean, obviously that's a huge pike dream, but that's how much you know. These are these are big time guys on CNBC that people listen to that have influence. And they believe in this stock, unlike I've seen in a very long time. We got the mad money guy talking about it. Exactly. Yeah, guys, you better watch out. We're actually moving to a pay-by-podcast platform because these picks are just so good. Yeah, exactly. Our, our takes are absolutely fire. Here, what I got. Instead of pay-per-view, we're going to do pay-per-pod. That was a really bad alliteration. I know. It's okay. You can feel free to laugh. Um, and if you don't laugh, I won't know because you're listening and I'm not there. So I'm going to assume that you laughed because that was hilarious. And just to brag a little bit more, I got the exact numbers. I bought you guys into uh, Moderna at 235, 368 yesterday. All right, everyone. That's this episode of Market Saints. I am fairly confident that we'll try to get an episode out to you next week. It may be virtually because Stu's going back to the States for finals. I'll be here, but I'm pretty sure I actually have a final next Thursday. So we'll figure it out. We'll do our best to get something out for you. But we do actually have some interviews coming up, which should be interesting. So I'm excited for those. Hopefully I don't figure out how to corrupt the file somehow on my computer because we're not going to be in studio for that. Yeah, guys. So uh, have a uh, happy end of semester. 
yeah, Merry Christmas to all of you. I know it's already only early December, but it's been December or not December. It's been Christmas rather in my head for two months because the day of Halloween, St. Andrews decorated the town. So I've been in Christmas mode. I'm ready to go home and see some snow. I hope you're all well wherever you are and uh, we'll see you next episode. Yeah. Merry Christmas.